0: Welcome to Genuine Humans, exploring the stories behind the great marketing leaders of our time and hearing how their journeys
1: have influenced the brands they've built.
0: Brought to you by The Social Element, here are our hosts, Tamara Littleton, CEO and Founder, and Wendy Christie, Chief People Officer.
2: Welcome back to the Genuine Humans podcast, and I'm here with my fabulous co-host, Wendy. Hi, Tamara. How are you? Very good. Thank you. And we're actually joined today by the wonderful Lynn Frost, who is the marketing director for Virgin Red. Welcome, Lynn. Hello. Thank you for having me. Have you got a little bit of a cold there, Lynn?
1: I have. I saying, I'm going for that Phoebe and Friends thing, that sort of husky, sexy voice. It's what it should be like. It may not quite be that like that.
2: <laughs> Rocking it. Rocking it. So now, Lynn, you've been in the agency world for a, a good chunk of your career and you've worked with some incredible brands like Dove, bicardi M&S and, and Virgin. And then you switched over to work with Virgin in-house. How has it been for you switching from agency to brands? I went to the
1: other side. There's always, (laughs) I think... um it's it's a slightly unusual route because it was I've had 23 years in agency and then to go client side so I put, so I waited a long long time to do it but there was always a part of me and I think every agency or account man particularly thinks I can be a better client which is really which is really awful and it turns out that it's not as easy as it looks so I was very much like I'm going to be that the client I've always wanted I'm going to make loads of brave decisions and be really decisive and it's just do you know what it's just not as easy as you think it is there's a lot of things that you don't consider that your client's role is and and people say this but your agency um, and the creative side is such a small part of your role so Mm -hmm. um, there's so many other factors and other things that that you need to do so it's not quite as easy to um, make those snap decisions or not let other factors affect what you do so
2: yeah, of course.
1: But it's been, um, I mean, it's been amazing. I sort of see it as like an MBA, in, a mini MBA in, in client-side and marketing. And also, I think for me, just having that wealth of experience from the other side really helps. I feel like all of the all of the stepping stones, so I've worked pretty much in every different sort of channel or discipline. So I felt like this virgin role is that all coming together, because I now have a really good holistic understanding, sort of all the different channels and all of the different areas.
2: And a great contact book, I'm sure, as well.
1: <laughs> yes, that does help.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so going back a little bit further, what actually sort of pulled you into marketing in, in the first place? Can you sort of go back in, and share your career journey with us?
1: So I can. And bizarrely, it starts out, I think I'm a bit of an anomaly or maybe a strange child. But at about the age of nine, I decided I wanted to work in advertising. There was a documentary um, and it was the Spastic Society were renamed themselves. Mm. Um, And I loved this. I loved this program. The thing that I loved about it was they were solving a problem. They had a brief, they were solving a problem. And all of these people in the room had ideas. And it was that real sort of back and forth brainstorming. And I was like, that's what I want to do. I've always been um, more on the creative side. So I've always been really art and concepts and and talking about ideas has always been one of my sort of natural strengths and I didn't really know it's really interesting you don't know which role you don't understand that there's different roles in advertising you just go I want to make those adverts they're really cool and I think as a child of the 80s we had the best of advertising like my brother and I used to play the game of guess which advert it was and each ad break and it was probably more entertaining than some of the things that we were watching and it's a big part of our Childhood. So for me, it was um I, I want to make this this really amazing content. And then for my secondary school interview, I actually recreated the personal ads. You know, when you put the dirt on a sheet, and then, oh, and, then and then you put. Them, and I actually did a live demonstration in my secondary school interview, and then it sort of stuck with me. And it, it's always been I was, I, was, I was very clear what I wanted to do. I want to be an account director, and I when, when I found out what the roles were, and I and I wanted to go into like one of the best advertising agencies that I could. At the time, it was BBH or Ogilvy. They were the ones, I mean, they were living life and it was just, there was everything about it really was really appealing to me. I love that, that you were planning that at, at
2: nine. That is so fantastic. And it's funny actually, because you're, you're right, there was that sort of, you know, golden age of advertising. And I, I remember when I was babysitting uh for, for young kids and I was only a young kid myself. I think I was like fifteen or something, which seems so weird now. But um there was one of the, the dads was in advertising and I thought it was a really exciting career because he wore red glasses. <laughs>
1: brilliant (laughs) all red suede loafers normally um the thing is you you can decide that you want to be part of that but as I go back to that roles you don't really know who does what so yeah and then also getting in so at that time it was incredibly hard to get into advertising so I'm not from the sort of the natural background so I know that when I started applying for jobs um they were really looking for Oxbridge so it was Oxford and Cambridge graduates I'm somebody that and um, that's dyslexic. So I I grew up as a child not being particularly academic, and I've learned as an adult that actually um, your intelligence is nothing to do with how academic you are. But as a child, I really struggled with that. And then so it was sort of like if you want to come in, there's these different roles. I don't think I was really a creative, creative, and the account handling role was the one because I love talking about ideas. So and that was going back to that documentary. That's the bit: stand up in a room, sell an idea. So that was the role that I thought would be best suited to me. But to get that job, I had to have a degree. They wouldn't even consider that you could come in and learn on the job, which is much more suited to who I am. So there was that barrier. So I sort of had to go off and um, do a degree, even though I didn't want to and I did it part time. So my route in actually was around work experience. So I sort of knew that I wouldn't necessarily be that traditional graduate, I probably wouldn't have got in on the graduate programme if I'd applied, because I didn't tick those boxes, you'd have looked at my CV, and you would have put it to the bottom of the pile. And it's quite interesting early in my career, I didn't get a job interview with another agency because I didn't tick that university box. So my Mm. uni was in London, it was London Met, it wasn't considered to be the the right level luckily I got a work experience opportunity well I say luckily I made sure I got a work experience opportunity and and that's how I got in so I did a lot of work experience and once you're in action people can see see you and and that that's how I sort of I went in through the back door as it were which was very fortunate but I think having that goal
2: younger to sort of say that's what i want to do meant that you kind of pushed through in that path and and had that tenacity
1: yeah and i and i sort of say this now i've done some um some talks recently with the marketing academy and lisa goodchild her amazing digi rise um and my one piece of advice is if you know that you want to do it just finds a way, and I can't tell you about work. The value of work experience because it's your opportunity to go in there, and it's going to be rubbish. You are going to—I mean, in our day, you made tea and <laughs> you moved boxes, and I think I've—I've I've reorganized countless tape cupboards. Obviously, they don't have to do that now, but it's what you do when you get there. So you, um, so I. Go around and talk to as many people as possible. Discover, ask them what they do. Be engaging. Be a real sort of positive spirit, and ask them if you can help with anything. So, as I said, that's why one piece of advice to anybody that wants to break into anything, and not just our industry, is just if you don't have contacts, I think that's a lot of the excuse. I, I, I say it's an excuse, but I've, I've met a few young people recently, and they said, "No, oh, it's all about who you know," and I don't know anyone, and I'm like, Well, find someone. You've got LinkedIn. We didn't have LinkedIn. Go onto LinkedIn, find someone, stalk them, (laughs) rock up, (laughs) turn up at their office every day with a coffee for them. Eventually, they'll have to let you in or they'll arrest you. But either way, (laughs) you'll start building your network.
2: (laughs) And can I just add that we don't condone stalking? (laughs) 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 LinkedIn stalking. No, you're absolutely right, though. There's so many tools to be able to to, um, you know, connect with people, ask them to, you know, mentor or just, you know, share advice
0: and yeah, absolutely brilliant. And it sounds like, you know, as you've already said, that you knew from quite a young age the direction that you wanted to go in. So before that, so before you were nine, were there any other ambitions that you had or any other more out there careers that you you thought you might fancy So you know I
1: really really wanted and I still do now because I do believe that anyone in marketing always has a bit of a plan b or a bit of something something that they've always wanted to do it's gonna sound it doesn't sound, like it sound dull but I really want a shop I want a shop that sells things it's like that, that is like a local shop for local people I would love so as a seven-year-old my friend and I said body shop again massive in the 80s and everyone had those baskets you know the straw and you'd and you'd um hair dryer the the cellophane. So my friends <laughs> and I used to play. We've got a body shop shop, and we would like make up baskets and like and hair hairdryer them and sell them. I've always, I mean, I, my part time job when I was sixteen. So I was always really super keen to get out to work. That was my my main objective, which is why I think I struggled with going down that academic route because for me something needs to be real and tangible for me to do it. And I worked in Next for two years in Bond Street, and I loved it. I was head. I was the head cashier, and I just I just loved the whole buzz of being with people um I think that's my main I think one of my main things that I enjoy the most is talking to people meeting new people and helping them like I'd be really genuinely um like it'd be a real sort of a great feeling when I've actually found someone the, the best skirt or I've advised them or mm-hmm. I. so I've always been really keen on fashion I'd actually say from a career choice perspective, it would have been fashion, fashion in a shop or as I said, advertising, uh, something creative. And then just in the same territory, I've always had a passion and love for magazines. So I was the child that rock up at school. So when I started secondary school and I, I know this is I'm jumping around with age ages but I would always be the one that bought every single magazine so I'd have just 17 more smash hits and I'd trawl through them so it was either going to be a career in like magazines publishing I was going to have a shop or I worked in advertising so I might still get the shop. I'd still
0: love to sell things. Yes. Well, you might still. There's something about the till as well, isn't (sighs) there? One of my favourite toys as a small child was a a till. And then when I had my first part-time shop job, that was, oh, my God, I get to work the till. There is really something about that. And the magazines. I can remember go planning my first holiday without my parents and going to the travel agent picking up all the brochures and just just that tangible things lovely um given that you didn't have linkedin as a teenager if you could go back and advise your teenage self what would you say
1: so for me it'd be around confidence so I was always slightly different to everybody else in the sense I was a little bit maturer than my my peer group um, but I was also racked with insecurities and anxiety I've said more insecurities than anxiety but uh, possibly it is that because I worried a lot I worried about everything I worried about what people thought of me as I said I was really into fashion and I will never forget there was if you remember Olympus it was like the JD sports of of now and and there was this bag and it was bright it was three colors it was bright pink bright turquoise and I think it had cream anyway it was an out there bag and I wanted that bag but I was so scared that it was so different to what everybody else had that I would get picked on I was quite bullied as a child because I am we moved from a different area into the area that I grew up in and we didn't have any money so I had second-hand clothing and I just always felt that I didn't quite fit in so I spent a lot of my time just trying to be liked Desperately wanting people to like me, which therefore means that you are a real target for bullies because you're so desperate for validation and you want them to like you. And and I did want to be a bit different, but I was so scared of standing out. So I think for me, um I had a big turning point actually turning 40 where I just decided that and actually having children changes you as well. There's life stages that yeah. that mean that you start realizing that actually it doesn't matter about the things you might not quite 100% fit in you have your own choices and I just think confidence so if I could go back and talk to myself it would be to say you are okay Lynn you are f- yeah. absolutely fine and it doesn't matter and just go for it be yourself and if somebody doesn't like that it really just then they're not right for you and have that confidence to be on my own because I was so desperate for friends and I didn't want to mm-hmm. be on my own if I could just say to myself do you know what it's fine if you're here on your own you've got no friends because they would then follow but I didn't get that then and I try really hard so I've got 12 year old twins and they're at that age I mean I try all along the way to give them that self-esteem that I didn't have to tell them that if they want to do something it's absolutely fine and it's not quite I mean they'll be like but mum but it's <laughs> that's not it's not so <laughs> easy I'm like I know I just don't want them growing up with that insecurity that I had and that that desperate need for validation because I think it then does go into your work life. So I've always had, I mean, it's well-known now as that imposter syndrome. It's a well-known thing. But I think a lot of, I have a lot of imposter syndrome. I'm better now, but in my early career, particularly, I was always thinking I'm not good enough. I I didn't go to Oxford or Cambridge I or have that academic background. I'm not clever enough. I'd really question my opinions and I, I possibly wouldn't speak up because I was... bit worried in case I was wrong or I'd question myself and I just wish that I wasted a lot of years feeling like that and I would love to go back and just say do you know what no one knows what they're doing being intelligent is nothing to do if you can write an essay or not it's about how you articulate yourself and um, just go for it don't need don't look for validation because when you look for it you become vulnerable
0: I think that moment when there's someone that you really look up to when you find out that they've got imposter syndrome as well it's just such a a huge thing it's so helpful and so sort of coming more maybe more up to date maybe not what's the worst job that you've ever had
1: oh this is an easy easy answer and I can name them because they no longer exist so as I mentioned I've sort of worked since I was 15 or actually 14 I went when I worked I had a very brief job in a cafe it wasn't the worst job but it wasn't brilliant I was terrible my first day the coffee machine I managed to blow up the um the coffee machine and the cups flew and coffee flew. But that wasn't the worst job. My worst one was Yes Car Credit. I don't know if you remember them. They used to give extortionate credit, like interest rates. And it was like this showroom and it was full of these men who were, I mean, they wouldn't have got away with it today. They were horrendous. I mean, in fact, they were so un-PC that it was actually quite funny it was almost like a comedy <laughs> and I, my job was to go down and talk people through their financial contracts and basically it was such a bad deal that I used to almost talk people out <laughs> of them and then I'd get into a loads of trouble because they wouldn't get their sale but I did it for about I think I might have lasted three months and then thankfully I got my I got an opportunity to go and work at V as a PA uh, actually as a part-time PA and that was my my routine I then got the work experience and then I got my job but um that was the, I was saved because <laughs> I it was, it was quite a low point I have to be honest I was thinking oh my god is this it
0: <laughs> did you see Swiss Swiss Tony on the fast show
1: oh yes, I have, yes it was like <laughs> surrounded <that. laughs>
0: by Swiss Tony's <laughs>
1: you could you could have it it would have been a writer's dream if they came in they could have written a whole a whole brilliant um brilliant piece on uh, working there
0: I'm assuming that you're not going to name anyone from Yes Car Credit to answer this question but which genuine humans that you've worked with over the years have influenced your career
1: I've been so lucky that I've got so many and all sort of come at the right stages so right at the beginning um there's this woman called Sarah Taylor she was actually my hairdresser from the age of 11 and we we've uh, I sort of see her as a bit of an aunt relationship she we, we sort of she we grew up together she was 18 I, I think I was one of her first clients or my mum was and she just moved to London from Hastings and we just got it. as I said I was quite mature for my age and we got on incredibly well and she um met her who is her now husband and he had set up his own design agency and she sort of knew what i wanted to do and she put me in touch with Stuart. and he gave me my first job as a studio manager because i also because i haven't come from a, a family that's got sort of money to support go, um, going off into education my mum's a single mum i mean she's done brilliantly but she, she retrained when she was 40 when i was around 11 so it so we just didn't have the money saved that i could i wouldn't need to not work but Stuart Taylor then took me on as their studio manager and then they they said look we know what you want to do about getting into advertising we know that you need a degree at that time to to get into that level that you want to get into so they let me do a part-time degree while I worked for them uh, which was amazing and they I mean I I don't. I was I mean, so lucky, so lucky. I had a full time job, pretty much, and I got to use their design studio. And they supported me, and they let me go off and do my course. So that was amazing. Um, and then, Sarah Hurst. So I mentioned Ogilvy. So so desperate to get into Ogilvy that I um, and then carrying on with that working part time. That there was a part time PA's job in the PR department. I took it and the job itself was pretty much filling up the photocopier with paper and checking out spreadsheets. It was, I was pretty terrible at it, if mm-hmm. I'm honest, because um, I was so preoccupied with offering my services for brainstorms and any meeting that they needed. So when you work in a big agency, you often get called into focus groups or ideation sessions. And I was there and I used to then... Skip uni to sit in the afternoon so I could brainstorm. And uh, through that, say this woman, Sadie, who head up HR, again, I got to know her and I talked to her about the work experience. She put me in touch with Sarah Hurst, who was quite senior in the account management department. Um, We worked on a Tilda Rice pitch together. And because I love talking to people and I'm relatively confident at doing it, I went off and did this Vox Pops on the streets, Vox Pops, and they won the pitch. And she just sort of said, Look, you've we've got to have you and she introduced me to the head of account management and I got my first job as an account executive and she throughout my whole career has been fantastic so people that open doors for you I think that's um, but they do it because they're genuine humans and they do it in that way because they really care about letting other good humans have have opportunities so she's been brilliant and she checks in on me uh, periodically just to check I'm okay and then just going through to be more recent, Simon Labette. So um, I worked at Truant, which was the pr- prior to Virgin. And he's fantastic because he would always be, he gets lots of sort of invites to black ties or networking events. And he'd be like, I'm bringing Lynn or Lynn, you go in my place. And just any opportunity in the industry, he took me to Cannes my first time and really just made sure that I could build a network so and and put me forward um every time you have to talk to lynn she she runs mm. our agency for us so he's been a real champion and then i i can't forget my most recent and who's she's a totally fabulous human and tamara and wendy you know her well because she's done a, a a podcast with you but emma harris yeah. who we met two years ago and you couldn't meet a more genuine human than emma and 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 Bundle of warmth yeah. and love and amazingness. And she immediately decided that we were sort of kin, which we are very, very similar. Uh, but she's done the same thing that Simon's done. So you have to be part of this and anything that she does she invites yeah. me to and that's just amazing because it's all about those opportunities um if there's as i said if there's a talk or a panel should be lynn, lynn will do it or so she's brilliant at sort of at giving me those opportunities and then also making sure i've got that confidence to do it she'll start you'll basically you'll smash it and you smashed yeah. it and text me and, and tell me how you smashed it yeah, <laughs> she, she's she's like my champion and but without those people on my journey, I you, I don't know where I would be, but those people, they see something in you that you don't necessarily see and give you that confidence and those opportunities to, to be you. So I'm incredibly grateful. Um, and I hope I meet more on my journey. As I said, it's I don't feel like it's at the end yet.
2: I think we all need an Emma in our life, don't we? recently? <laughs> we were lucky enough to to have the fabulous Lee McGuffey talk to us in, in the first series of the podcast and Virgin Red was about to launch at that time, so it's now launched. Can you tell us how it's how it's all going?
1: Really well. It's so we um, so Lee and I have been on a great journey together. So we almost Virgin Red is as a startup, but you're part of a big legacy. So you've got that dichotomy of legacy brand, I mean phenomenal brand, and business, and then you are a startup within it. So you've got the best of both worlds. So we um pulled together sort of this whole 360 campaign um but in a in the midst of a pandemic. Yeah. So it was this do we? Don't we? What do we do? What's the right? And I think the main impact was we were always going to have to go because we needed to launch, uh, but it was doing it in the right way. And I think that was the so Virgin's a very confident brand, and it's always about do. It. I mean, we almost were doing it the Virgin way, but that didn't feel right. That felt quite tonally deaf to what was going on, particularly as people are we just wanted to we're all about experience and getting out there a big part of our product is flying and travel so again it was that how can we launch in a way that we're we're being sensitive to what's going on around us so we decided to go for something that was positive and uplifting and we we wanted to time it like other a lot of other brands did at the same time unfortunately but we wanted to time that coming out of lockdown and that feeling of freedom Mm truant and glow came up with this really lovely idea of this girl that's walking along in the park and she blows a bubble and the bubble gets bigger and bigger and bigger and she takes off and it's that feeling of being out again and looking down on that world around you and the whole thing is that with virgin red in your life things are going to be better that like you're, it's going to be rewarding it's that rewarding feeling and they they presented other creative routes similar to that where it was all about that amazing feeling of we are free, we're out, just really experiencing life in the world because we've been so locked away. But the best bit for me is that we got to go to Bulgaria and shoot it. So I was just desperate, desperate to travel again. And I had three the three most amazing days with the most amazing people making this this ad that and I think for me that that was that moment when I go oh my god I'm the client in the room so we were sat you're sat in so you you get there and then and I'm so used to being on the agency side and then I'm looking around and we're going like Client, like, 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 like managing. So your job as an agency is always to find out what's going on and then keep the client away. Basically, manage the client, make sure that they only hear the stuff that they need to hear, and they make the right decisions. And then I suddenly realised quite quickly that that was me. But it was quite strange because I almost want, I sort of, I'm part of the crew because that's who I am. So it's that weird, um, that weird moment of realisation that I was actually meant to be the grown up in the room, and I, I had to make those decisions. But that was fantastic. And it's such a, the Virgin brand is so
2: iconic. Was it easy for you to sort of start living the brand from from day one
1: or, you know, is it different for you being on the inside? So I feel like somebody and I think a lot of people of my generation have lived with Virgin yeah. their whole lives or their whole. So for me, for probably it's that 90s. It was V Festival. It was. But even but even Richard in his story, like we've grown up with mm. Richard. So he's in his 70s now. But I, I feel like we I remember when it launched. Like I, we grew up, we grew up with him as he did. And it was such it, it's such a fabric of our of our growing mm. of our being virgin like of our sort of in looking at brands that are brave and brands that are disruptive so in my career as somebody that's been in marketing and advertising many a time have i if we talked about virgin or brought virgin up as a good example when you're wanting a brand to be braver or do something different or we would always bring up virgin as a case study um i was at rainy kelly who had virgin trains and virgin atlantic and so I've always sort of felt like Virgin's been part of my DNA mm. anyway. And I've always been fortunate enough. You mentioned the other brands that I've worked with that I, in my career, I've almost managed to choose the brand, like go for the brands. I'd always get to the agency I'm in. I would think which brands do I really want to work with? So like Dove, Brave, Phenomenal. I got to do the second Real Beauty oh, campaign, wow. which was like the most amazing thing to actually work on it. Lots of people say they did, but I actually really <laughs> did, which was phenomenal. And then worked. I worked with the Army again really brave really really different so when the pitch so i actually pitched for the business for truant and glow and when they sort of said it's a pitch for virgin you're just like oh my god absolutely like you do anything because you want to touch that brand like you want to touch the brand that you've admired so um it was actually relatively um luckily quite easy to slip in because i've almost felt like i've always wanted to work within it or known so much about it yeah of
2: course you talked a lot about sort of, you know, brands being being brave and obviously Virgin being brave. Who, who else is kind of really impressing you at the moment?
1: There's two actually, two people that have been brave really recently that I go, wow, I wished I'd done that. So KFC. I mean, they had the kernel, what they've done with the kernel. The, the, so brands are often quite scared of changing their heritage or cha- changing things that are iconic to them. And they've really just thrown the rule book out and gone, do you know what? We're going to have some fun with this. The chicken moment for me when they ran out of chicken. I mean, that was absolutely yeah. brilliant and genuine. And do you know what? Let's hold our hands up and, and own this. For me, that's bravery. And you can just go do you know what we're going to be humans about this and we're gonna admit stuff and i mean there was that my favorite clip that was on the news when they were like it was that they drove that demand for their brand and their product and they weren't even delivering it so she was like oh my god we've run out of chicken i'm gonna have to go to burger king but i don't want burger king and i thought oh my god i don't know if yeah is that, i remember if it was burger King, but is that if you've got videos if you can get members of the public to say that about your brand Oh, my God, that is just phenomenal. And they're continuing to... I mean, I don't necessarily love all of their executions, but, again, they're continuing to throw that rule book out. Let's not have loads of copy on our ads. let us I think they've got some erotic pictures of people eating... Uh, billboards, that I've seen recently, of people eating chicken. I don't necessarily love it, if I'm being honest, but it's yeah. brave and it's different, and it means that they can stand out. And I think that the colonel, they've got people dressing up as the colonel. I mean, it's fantastic. It's like... I mean, for me, that's like the best, the best in marketing. And then the other one for me, and I'm never sure if I can pronounce the brand properly, but it was the Viva La Volva and the Le, La, Brice, La Brice? Yes, La, La Brice. Oh my God! I mean, I mean to just put make the vagina your your main campaign. So far removed from anything in the category yeah. beforehand, but for me, it wasn't. It was how they did it. So it wasn't shocking. It yeah. was beautiful, and it was stunning. And no one's ever use female anatomy in that way and it's like the the, the, how amazing the vagina is and the fact that they celebrated it in the way that they did I mean I again I don't think many people can match that and but and also what they did is they opened that door I mean you've had a lot of me to's of of people trying to do a similar campaign but for me they nailed it because it didn't have a shock Mm. factor so I think you don't have to shock to to be brave and you can do things in really beautiful ways and it could be equally as equal sort of stand out
2: absolutely it was such a joyful campaign it's a I, I can't count the amount of people that I shared it to, to it was just like you've got to see this This is amazing yeah yeah it was just beautiful beautiful so you mentioned the marketing academy and you've been sort of uh you know giving talks etc what piece of advice would you give to any future marketing leaders
1: I mean I would say be genuine humans yourself mm actually, so now that I'm in this position, and I keep on pinching myself, that I, I've actually made it to market, marketing director, because that was ultimately my top goal. I'm like, I want to be like, a, I want to be the marketing director. And for me, it's about giving people those opportunities, like looking for people and enable them to grow, like really, do you know what, it's not about the output. That, I mean, I, th- I there'd be lots of advice on that too. But for me, in our industry, we're still not brilliant at how we treat our teams mm. and our staff. And The thing that makes me feel really sad and it's why I've actually thought about leaving the industry many, many a time when I went off maternity leave. I mean, to be fair, I, I got pregnant. With the twins at that point, so I wanted a break. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know I was going to have twins. That was the only thing. I was like, I was so sort of fatigued and exhausted. Um, and I said, like, you know what, I'll we'll have a baby now because I can have a year of maternity leave. Um, then I had twins. So that didn't really pan out the way I thought it would. But for me to have that mindset of, I need to have a baby to have a break, or some days you think, oh, if an ambulance just picked me up now, I could have a little lie down, it's not brilliant. It's not a
0: good sign. No, that's not right, is it? No. It's
1: not. And I think we've got to, so aside of like spotting talent and really being that that door opener for people and really encouraging people, I think in a general marketing, advertising, our whole industry needs to think about the hours that we work, how we work. As a client, I'm trying really hard not to impose last minute deadlines. But to be honest, I get those from the people that run the business. It all sort of trickles down. And I think everybody, and we're in this culture that's ingrained in that we work really, really hard and we work really long hours and everything's urgent. Everything's urgent. It's always ASAP. And I think we've got to stop that. We've got to make sure we nurture our team of people that are coming up and we ensure that they, they know they can have a work-life balance. I would say that I lost my 20s to advertising. I worked I did UK and global so I did, I, use, I say this all the time. I did my UK job 9 till 5 and my global global job 5 p.m. till midnight and I'd get a taxi home every night. And by the weekend I was so exhausted and I believe it still it still it hasn't really changed much since then. So I think we've got to look at life balance how we work, give ourselves time, give ourselves time to do that, to do the job. What we do is it, it, it's complicated. It takes a lot to have a good idea. You need to have time to develop it. So I just, I just think we can all as an industry come together and actually put in put in those parameters that means that we do better work, um, but we're also not exhausted. It doesn't kill us.
2: Absolutely, it's it's funny actually because I think over the last eighteen months, with with you know lockdown pandemic, that there have been more discussions about trying to balance because you know so many people have been trying to work through whilst there have been children at home or you know caring for uh, parents or or, or just you know working by yourself it's been so different for people but intense and there's been a lot more talk about burnout looking after your teams not trying to spend all day on zoom i i like to think that now that it's it's more open and discussed more that we can make those changes in the industry but i still see sort of job ads you know where people are talking about fast paced industry and and it's kind of you're right the culture is very much it's going to be crazy it's going to be busy it's all about late nights but It doesn't have to be like that with some respect and care and and, you know, good collaboration with teams and good uh, energy and relationships. You know, true partnerships shouldn't mean that people are meant to work their whole weekend, for example.
1: I mean, I'm really lucky. um, And actually, one of the reasons that I so as I said, I've been thinking about client side for a long, long time. But I hadn't found a client that I really wanted to go and work for because. In my time with more independent agencies, I've they've given me that flexibility to work the hours that I wanted to. It was really important that I did drop-offs and pickups, or some of them with the children. So Truant allowed me to do that, which is one of the reasons why I was there. So I had to be really careful around the more corporate environment that I went into because you don't often get that. But Virgin are probably the closest you can get to being that agency mentality or that independent. They've always been very good at flexibility, um, work where you want, when you want. It's all about making, as long as you're doing your job well, then you can you can have that time. Um, so we have Friday afternoons off, which are fantastic. You may not always get to take them off, but it means you get time with no calls or no mm-hmm. meetings. And we encourage our team to do so. But equally, I've got that. And it's interesting when I'm hiring people, they're really surprised. They're like, oh, can I finish half an hour mm-hmm. earlier? And I'm like, you don't need to ask me that. Like you can just work the hours that you want to work because they're not used to that, that environment. They're not used to culturally being allowed to do that. So I'm actually very grateful that, as I said, I chose Virgin for one of those reasons, love the brand, but equally I knew that they, Richard has always been about people and about making sure that you have your right, like that flexibility for mothers and, or whatever you need to do. It shouldn't just be for parents. It should just be for Mm. anybody that may want to do something else. Like, N- not do that that sort of nine to five because they've got something else on that they do but they yeah. work incredibly hard so it doesn't really matter yeah
0: like they're running a little shop maybe
1: <laughs> maybe <laughs>
0: <laughs> well that feels like a, a good segue onto the part of the podcast where we get a, a bit more personal so how do you like to spend your downtime? do you have any guilty pleasures that we should know about
1: Oh, I love television. So um, for me, Netflix. <laughs> um, the, I didn't really know. I'm one of those people. That didn't really know what Netflix and chill meant. <laughs> so, but, but, but for me, it really meant it really means just switching off. I've really enjoyed the Britney documentaries recently. Um, I love the fact that you've got three different documentaries. I, I love a good documentary, and I love that there's three different ones. And then I go on a bit <laughs> of the googling spiral, like 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 checking all of the facts and seeing what was true horrified by what she's been through um, but fantastic television and then recently I had um, I, I had to be in hospital for a while and I, it saved me I just sat and watched White Lotus and um, The Chair which was fantastic on Netflix um, I mean to be fair it probably goes back to my childhood where we did spend a lot of time in front of the television mm-hmm. so for me it's sort of my drug of choice I don't drink at home but I will the only thing is, a bit detrimental to my health because I'm somebody that can't not watch the whole thing. Like if I read a book, I have to read it. I need to know what happens. So you will find me sometimes at three in the morning, sort of like sort of trying to keep my <laughs> eyes open because I'm like, I don't want to see what happens. I know what you mean, and you might
0: have already answered this one, but I'll I'll just check in case there's anything else. What's your idea of a perfect weekend?
1: Oh, okay. So we start with sort of a late breakfast. Um, I love a breakfast out. So I recently had breakfast at the Hoxton in H- in Holborn. <gasps> it's the best <laughs> full English breakfast ever. It's divine. So I'd say absolutely start with a really gorgeous, long, very mm-hmm. long breakfast. And then maybe a peruse around some shops maybe some boutiquey little shops um I, that would be and this is this, this is a blissful perfect weekend by the way um then then maybe have lunch like a long lunch a lot of my friend's husband jokes that we basically plan our whole time around food <laughs> nothing wrong with that <laughs> is that not normal <laughs> and a- actually so i recently had a, a day in the in the isle of wight um on my own by circumstance and that's what i did so i had a really long breakfast then i perused got myself an ice cream went to a really lovely independent shop and discovered all of these lovely things like nice bits of jewellery and then I um, and then I found this sort of outside bar on the harbour and ordered myself a cocktail and then ha- and had like this um homemade pizza and a greek salad and just sat there it, honestly you know if you could bottle a day and keep it um and then in the evening I sort of went back and I was on my own which sounds awful I should say I want to hang out with the kids but I was on my own with a really good book and I finished the book and then I had a hot bath and went to bed and it was literally amazing but I must have I have to add in case my children do listen to this um which they won't by the way because they don't really care what mummy does at work but they um (laughs) But another good day would be equally. So my son plays football and going to watch him is is such a privilege. And then also my daughter does a drama class at Angel. So every Saturday she goes and does this drama class that she loves. And then I get an hour and a half to myself to go and have a nice coffee or or chill. So if we put those into the perfect weekend, that's also good.
2: Oh, that sounds perfect. If you could wake up tomorrow with one new skill or ability, what would it be?
1: This is one that doesn't really exist because I've always talked about teleport teleportations. You know, you know, Dorothy can click their heels. Yes. So the fact you could just click your heels and be home, <laughs> I would, I, really, really like that. It's cool, I, but... <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but it's not instant, is it? No, yeah. <laughs> I, I would have said invisibility, and I used to have this dream that I could uh, selfridges so selfridges was at night and I could go into selfridges and just have whatever I wanted and spend the whole evening in there but I think I'd get frustrated by visibility because no one could see me I think I'd get really <laughs>
2: <laughs> and if you were going to write a book what would it be about
1: mm, that's another really really good question I was also can I just add to skill set that I would love to really be able to sing so one of my favorite, if you'd asked me the question about my favorite evening out, <laughs> it has to be cocktails and lucky voice. Um, <laughs> I'm very loud and um- but I can't actually sing so if i if you some if I could wake up tomorrow with an amazing singing voice, I would be very happy. but sorry, I know I digress from from the other question that's no, that's... I just, it just occurred to me
2: <laughs> that all works <laughs>
1: um, Yeah, you know, I have thought about it, but then I'd, i and I always get to that thing of I don't really know what I would write and it sounds terrible um I quite like the you know, one of those happiness project books, mm. so you almost write that journey of you finding happiness or um, I tell everybody about the secret. So, you know, that positive manifestation and creating a, so I've written many letters to the universe. I actually met a, a young man, and you know you're getting old when you call people young young man man. (laughs) man. (laughs) (laughs) but i i met this young man yesterday evening at an event and he was sort of like when people hear you work at virgin and you're a marketing director they're like oh you must you must know about how to create good businesses and i think they always think they can tap into richard or that spirit of richard um and he's like what's your your piece of advice and i just sort of said to him write a letter to the universe so you write that letter and you say it's all happened. Everything that you want has happened. And then you fold that letter up and you put it away. And I think that's what I'd love my book to be about, that I've written this letter to the universe and then your journey of that that letter coming true. I think that would be fantastic. In, in a really witty sort of Bridget Jones yeah, style, yeah. tone of voice. That sounds that. completely doable as well. <laughs> I just need to get a ghostwriter. <laughs> <laughs> because actually, going back to being dyslexic, I'm okay with PowerPoints. Funny enough, bullet points fine mm-hmm. but the thought of actually writing a book or an essay just fills me with dread mm-hmm. I just can't do it I cannot get the. I can it's in my head I almost need to do it verbally yeah and then get somebody else to write it for me um but I just get this whole massive mental block that I've never been able to overcome mm-hmm. and again I think we talked earlier about um what would you go and tell yourself and it's it's that like it doesn't matter Lynn if you have this mental block you can work work your way around yeah. it
0: yeah and if we could give you an extra hour every day what would you do with it
1: first thing that comes to mind is sleep mm. <laughs> sleep um, or have that you know that that lovely day when you wake up at say seven but then you realize you don't have to go anywhere and you get that hour in bed when you're sort of awake but you're not awake but you're just sort of admiring the day around you as it's as it's everyone's waking up and you're just like I don't have to move (laughs) (laughs) that's what I would do with my hour (laughs) how
0: would your friends describe you and how would you like them to describe you
1: so um, I've been described quite a few times as a bit of a pocket rocket because I'm five foot and as I said that's my confidence grown I've just gone for it so, <laughs> so I, just, I just I just go for stuff bubbly springs to mind which I used to hate when I was younger because bubbly was I'd be like I want to be this formidable person I do not want to be bubbly and not taken seriously um, and but I met I actually met this this very successful businesswoman and she and I said to her, I'd love to be like you. You're so composed and so calm and collected. And she's like, No, it's yours is the, the secret superpower because because you're so bubbly and warm that actually people will open up to you yeah. and they won't see you coming. They they you'll be like they'll you they'll underestimate you at first, but then they'll soon quickly realize that they shouldn't have done that. So I'm quite happy with that. Warm comes up a lot when people mm-hmm. describe me and I'm really proud of that. I'm like if if I if there's one thing that people say about me when they've met me is Lynn's really warm and and friendly and do you know what I'm really I'm happy with that because that means you're a genuine human and, and that's what we all strive to be exactly. so that, that I'm I'm proud of that. I think mysterious is overrated. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm never going. To, I'm never going to achieve it because I tell everyone everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, that feels like a, a lovely
2: place to to stop. But before we do stop, is there anything that we haven't asked you that you wish that we had, or any closing thoughts from you.
1: Oh no, this is that interview question. They say, "Have you got any questions?" And, <laughs> <we> haven't.
0: <laughs> and, I and think you haven't. And you answered everything.
1: And... <laughs> <laughs> and you sit there and go, oh, "Damn it!" Um, no, only that. Just thank you so much for asking me. Like I've really admired this series, and I, I as I said, genuine human. Does that whole concept of being a genuine human is so important for the whole world? if if more of us if everybody converted themselves into that mindset or tried really hard to be one can you imagine how amazing the world would be
0: you've been listening to genuine humans brought to you by the social element if you loved what you heard Remember to subscribe or you can find out more at www.thesocialelement.agency.